The Lord is my shepherd. He led me to India. In a tiny eight-by-eight room in the back of a small slum village lies a tattered rug outstretched over a barren dirt floor. (laughs) Sitting on this rug are 37 to 40 small brown questioning faces filled with jet black eyes tilted toward upwards to survey the seven white people from America. A small fan attached to the wall is trying to circulate the most unbearable heat that is suffocating the very air all are trying to breathe. The children have come to hear about a living God, a man named Jesus, who loved them so much that he died on a cross and rose again so that their sins would be covered by the shedding of his blood. A flight of stairs leads to a larger room in the basement of a three-story building where more rugs are clustered side by side, waiting for 40 to 60 slum children ranging in the ages from 6 to 13. Clop, 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 down they come, freshly scrubbed, hair shining black, and wearing the very best clothing they own. Their faces are radiating with smiles and trusting eyes. Their tiny little hands respond to our extended hands. But when our hearts open our arms, they come rushing in and cling tightly. Yes, they have come to hear the stories about Jesus sing cute action songs, make crafts, and play water games to cool off. But God has sent hugs to show them his redeeming love. A long line of very patient people from the slum, consisting of all ages, standing in the scalding heat, to get inside the medical camp to visit with Dr. Peter Malachar about their ailments, see the chemist for medicine, and then to see Sarah and I for prayers and hugs. We pray for their health, families, village, and their salvation. Yes, They have the same health issues as Americans, tumors, stress, weary bodies, eyesight, and the list goes on and on. God's grace and unlimited, unstoppable love exploding in that dreary hole in the wall room was experienced 
by Sarah and I over and over again. Ashok, our translator, said he had never seen anything like this happen before. Several women broke down and wept. They told us they had never, ever felt such love. God's people held a variety of classes for children and adults who hunger and thirst for knowledge. In a smaller basement located about 10 miles from the larger location, large fans have been installed in the ceiling that cannot refrain the sweat from pouring forth from the students' bodies that are waiting for a whisper of air to give them relief. A bond is forming between the students and teachers because God fills that room with his presence each and every day. Capital Bible Church holds two worship services each Sunday in the smaller basement. In the morning is the English service, and in the afternoon is the Hindi service. You know, without a doubt, that we serve a living God when everyone, black or white, regardless of language, is worshiping together. I can't wait to get to heaven. But for now, I want everyone to experience the power and the fullness of God, to walk in his light and to have his glory reflected upon their faces. India calls out to say, don't look at our decaying war zone buildings whether rubble or litter, or the congestions of bodies crowding together to go one place or another. Don't pay attention to the searing, unending heat or the sounds of the cities that drown out the voices of the people. Look instead at me. See my heart. Show me Jesus. First Samuel 16, 7b. God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Hi, I'm Sweet Sue. And I am forever grateful to be serving my Lord. Good morning. I guess it's my turn. We serve a great God 
I am so blessed that God sent me to India with the mission team. With all the things that was happening to me, I thought this may be a sign that Jesus does not want me to go on the mission in India. Then I was thinking how God was going to use me in, in India. Once we got there, God was using me in, a, in ways I didn't think was possible. I am so blessed, all the mission team, to see everybody, how God was using everybody, how God's working over there. I love these people. They look on, like Susan said, the looks on the kid's face. It's unbelievable. And just like all those different buildings that we were doing these classes in, little kids, or games, or whatever we're doing, dodgeball, whatever we're doing, all the games. Not one, one kid disbehaved. Not one kid out of line. They're so eager to hear about Jesus. And they're so... I always see him with smiles. And, and we were playing games with him, not one poor sport. Of all days we were playing games, hundreds of kids. Everybody was so happy, cheerful, and smiles on their face. That was just, I'm going to shift gears, but the people I was talking to Brian this morning on the subway, wherever we went, people walked down the street, you didn't hear people talk to each other. But, Like the English camps and the medical camps, Kim Grantham and I got to be a team together. My job was to measure people how tall they were, height, and we weighed people, and she wrote everything, everything down. And we sent them on to get to the doctor. And I am so blessed. I learned quite a bit when I was there during all those English camps, all those milk camps, all the games. I'm very blessed. I got to, I got to room with Brendan. I, about the first week, week and a half, and I realized, man, I'm being mentored without even knowing. It was such a blessing to be a, Brendan. Brendan was a, he was a, he kept us all. He was a great shepherd, so to speak. I mean, one cause you everything so, so much danger, danger over there, but, he kept it all together. He knew he's, he could. I'm jumping around, but he could have been a CDO of a big company. I mean, this guy no waste of movement. But I got we got to go in people's homes and hear him speak, and like, wow, he's right home. Anyway, it's such a blessing to see these people and be part of this team. And praise God. Thank you. Lots of incredible experiences in India, and I am really grateful that God allowed me to go. He could have said, no, you're staying home. And for a while, I wasn't sure but what that was his answer. Um, I would have been really disappointed, but I also would have known that the, God's way is always best. Um, I'm very grateful um, that I was able to go and experience the things that we did in India. Um, I came back with a real renewed sense of compassion for the lost, 
um, and a greater, even a greater understanding of God's um, steadfast love. Um, one thing that we did, we served at the medical camp. You've heard about that. We hadn't planned to do that. It was a surprise, um, but it was God's plan for us, and it was pretty incredible. Um, I have to admit, our job was to pray. I would have never had the boldness to hug everyone had Sue not been there setting the example. Um, but doing that was um, God pouring his love out on those people. And not only that, but Sue said over and over again, God poured his love right back on us through them. Uh, we visited with one woman who um, had a brain tumor. She had, there had evidently been some ministry in that slum before uh, because she, had, she professed to know Christ, but there was uh, no one else in her family who knew the Lord. And there was tremendous pressure on her to, um, to renounce Christ. Um, and uh, we saw that over and over again in families. <clears throat> and uh, we were able to pray with her. Sue encouraged her with her own story. And um, she walked away with hope in Christ, renewed hope in Christ, which is really exciting. Um, after, after the medical camp, uh, several of the people who were there as patients showed up on Sunday morning. It was really neat to see them there in the Hindi service. And after the service, we all gathered in small groups to pray. Uh, and when, when our group finished praying and I looked up, there were women waiting and they were there to be hugged. <laughs> um, it's amazing that a hug can overcome such language barriers. And um, Sue was, was sick that day and missed that, and they wanted to know where my sister was. But um, they um, hugged and hugged and hugged. And I'm, I'm looking at the faces of these women, and I'm thinking, I, they look familiar, but I don't think I met all of these women at the Hindi service last week. And I realized these were the women from the medical camp. And they remembered, and God's love had drawn them. And so uh, we continue to pray for them. Another opportunity that God provided was an English club. And I, I really got to just be um, an observer in a lot of ways, um, and, and yet still a participant. But in English club, um, I sat in with Brennan as he, let, as he taught the advanced students. And um, we, were, we had taken pre-written conversations um, and some exercises to work through just to help people with their everyday spoken language. And this particular day, our conversation was making an appointment over the phone with the hairdresser. And uh, we worked through the conversation and through all the exercises. And and just I really enjoyed the time with the people, just um, laughing and sharing stories and uh, uh, having a good time getting to know one another. and towards the end of the, of the class time, um, a conversation about marriage sprang up out of a remark in the written conversation. And from that came a conversation about divorce. And that led to a conversation about sin. And that led for an opportunity for Brennan to share the gospel. And it was really neat because things were winding down in the English club and the other classes were pretty noisy. <laughs> Um, so there was a lot of noise and commotion around us, but the people at our table were just leaning in, intent on hearing and understanding what was being said. And they had big questions, hard questions. And uh, it was neat to see God just drawing them and drawing them. And there were a couple in particular, that, two people in particular, that were very interested in understanding the gospel, Garel and Nakul. And um, 
uh, both of them were wanting English Bibles and wanting to understand more and more. And so we invited them to come back for the service on Sunday. Um, Nicole did come, and he was able to get connected with Peter. And, and last I heard, they're going to be meeting, which is exciting. Uh, Grell, we didn't see her again. And I don't know what's happening with her. She's headed back to her home in Mongolia here in just a few days. And so we've just been praying that God would um, provide for her. Another opportunity that we had was to um, uh, join with the people of the church in their small group meetings. And uh, we went to a home, and uh, Brennan shared the word, and we sang some songs and just um, visited a little bit. We had a time of prayer afterwards, the the one of the men kind of matched us up in small groups, and I was with two um, two young women, Sumin and her sister Savani. Um, Sumin speaks a little bit of English, and Savani speaks hardly any, and uh, and yet still we were able to communicate. And their their story is uh, they live in the slum, one of the slums that we ministered in. Um, they and their family in India. Most families stay together, so adult girls, they still lived at home with their parents, um, their brothers and sister, and uh, the brothers' wives, nieces and nephews. They have a big household, and it's a little tiny house in the slum, and they're the only ones in their family who are Christians. Uh, They had come to Christ through the ministry of the kids' Bible club that takes place there every Sunday. And Suman actually serves with PMI to help bring, continue to bring that Bible club to her neighborhood. And again, there's tremendous pressure within these families um, because they're not following the old ways. And so there's tremendous pressure for them to, to leave Christ behind and to um, continue in the worship that their families practice. Um, and so I had the opportunity to pray with Suman and Savani and just uh, extend that that love and care for them. Uh, but Sumin and Savani are making sure that that Bible club in their neighborhood continues because they are, um, they are very intent that uh, their families are going to hear about Christ and that their neighbors are going to hear about Christ. So it was an exciting trip, and I'm very thankful to have been able to go. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. That loud English class that um, Sarah was talking about was Sue and I's class because we had the most fun. (laughs) Just saying. We got to sing songs, play games. I don't think you did any of that. (laughs) Um, So we had an absolutely amazing trip. Sorry, I got sick right after I got home. So luckily the Lord um, kept me healthy and pretty much all of us healthy most of the time we were there. Um, we've pretty much talked about everything that we did, so I guess I'll just talk about my favorite stuff. Um, one of the most wonderful experiences that I had when I was there was, um, what Sarah was talking about when we went to the small group. We actually broke up into two groups, and we went to two different places. And so Dale, Sarah, Brennan, and I all went to this house that we had never been to before, and everybody else got to go to the Malakars, so they already knew where they were going. So we were like, okay. So we go to this house, and we walk in, and it is hot, and we are sweating, and they have the fans going on as as high as they can go. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> um, so we had a really good 
Bible study, Brennan taught it, and I thought it was really cool because he was going to do one lesson, and then all of a sudden the Lord just moved into something else. And um, by the end of it, we broke up into small groups, and I got to speak with Anita and Suma, and they, I don't think are slum girls, but they are the only Christians in their family, like Sarah was talking about. And so I found that very interesting, and my heart broke for them when they asked me, are you the only Christian in your family? Because they wanted advice from me, because they didn't know how to take it. And I'm not, you know, like I grew up in a Christian family, and I, I almost didn't know what to say to them, you know. And I just asked them, I said, so how do you how do you deal with it? You know, like, are you allowed to have a Bible in your house? And they said, no, we're not allowed. And I said, well, how do you have one? Because they had it with them. And they said, well, luckily, um, one of the girls, their moms, wasn't very educated, so she couldn't read. So she didn't even know what it was. And the other one, um, the Bible was in the Hindi language, and her mom spoke Mongolian, so she didn't even know. So luckily the Lord worked in that way so that they were able to actually have their Bibles in their house without their parents even knowing. Um, And it just, it hurt them so much that there, no one in their family cared and they wanted them to turn away and it was just heartbreaking. So it was wonderful for me to be able to sit down and pray with them um, and I'm still praying for them. And uh, it's just a wonderful experience that I had. Um, The medical camp was also a wonderful experience. Um, Dale and I were able to work together, so that was good. Uh, We were actually, I was lucky because we got to see everybody that came in, even though everybody else did, but we got to, we were kind of like the part where um, before they saw the doctor and so, you know, everyone's waiting to see them. So we got to actually sit down and talk to them and None of them spoke English, so it was very interesting having a conversation with somebody that doesn't speak the same language as you. Um, But I would just start with um, looking at their name and trying to pronounce it, and they just thought that was so cool that I tried really hard to say their name, and they would make fun of me because I had a terrible, terrible accent, and I cannot speak Hindi whatsoever. (laughs) So that was a wonderful, wonderful experience, and I really liked it because the night before... Um, we had sat down at the church, and they were trying to plan this. The PMI staff were trying to plan it, and it was completely unorganized. We didn't know what was going on, and we were just like, okay, like, whatever is going, we'll just, like, do whatever they want us to. And that night we sat down to dinner, and Sue said, I have a really bad feeling about this. She just had a really bad feeling about the next day. And so we sat down and we prayed together, each one of us, and we got to the camp and it was still a little iffy, but Sue was right there where she needed to be and she was able to hug and pray for each one of the people there. And by the end of it, I think it was one of her favorite experiences of the whole trip. And I'm so happy that Sue was able to go because I don't think I would have been able to hug as many people as I was able to without her. (laughs) Because she had the boldness to step up and hug them. And none of us else in the team, I think, had that kind of boldness until she was able to do it first. So we're very happy that Sue was able to go. 
Um, it was a wonderful trip, and I just thank you all for your prayers that as we were um, traveling, and even though we had problems coming back, um, we all made it here safely. And I just thank you so much for your support, and it was wonderful. And I just have um, one verse that I want to share with you. Actually, on this trip, I was struggling myself. Um, God and I were kind of struggling. And I was having a hard time feeling his presence with me. Jeez, why do I always cry when I'm going to do this? I had to share this in the, in the Hindi service um, the last Sunday before we left, and I was bawling the entire time. So hopefully I don't do that this time. So um, I was praying to God because I just couldn't feel his presence around me whatsoever. And I was like, why am I on a missions trip on the other side of the world trying to share the gospel when I cannot feel him? Let me find it. So um, God brought me to Romans 8. And he actually, um, I was studying 31 through 39. Um, But the verses that really stuck out to me were, um, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that really stuck out to me because even though I could not feel him at that time, he reminded me in his word that he's going to be with me no matter what, and there's nothing, and I mean nothing, that can separate us. Well, um, that's a pretty neat picture, I think, to get to hear uh, the report from team members. It was exciting to be there. It was exciting to see what God was doing and uh, doing in us and doing through us. It was an amazing thing. And and, um, I want to start off um, really by uh, just commending you as a church. Because uh, Steph and I have noticed over the years, and we've experienced personally, and our team experienced the same thing, that, that you are a very generous church to meet needs, to make it so that we could do such a trip that uh, ended up costing more than we thought it was going to because of various visa issues and change of flights. And, and we did a surprise medical camp, which we thought was going to be about two grand. And that turned out to be about 50 bucks is what it cost us to do that entire medical clinic. And we didn't know that. But, but I want to commend you for, uh, for your generosity. It's, uh, um, God has used you to minister in the Beheimers' lives a lot and in the lives of many, many missionaries a lot. And not just financially, uh, but when there is need, Parkside is there. And so I want to commend you for that, that that is an amazing thing, and it's a gift, and uh, you you do it well, and uh, I want to encourage you in that, that that is a strength that you have, and, and so run with that. I also, uh, we of course haven't gotten to hear from Jenny and from Hannah, uh, because they're still there, and uh, they're staying with Peter's parents, and so they're um, in their 80s, and uh they're leading an entirely different kind of life than what we led when we were there. We stayed in a hotel 
And uh, Dale and I would wake up in the morning freezing because our air conditioner was on so high. And we would have to put blankets over us to keep warm. And then you walk out the door and you start sweating and you stop sweating that night when you come back to your hotel room. So we enjoyed the ice that we got to sleep in. And the Lossings di- didn't get to sleep in that those kind of conditions because they were rooming with Indian girls, with Peter's sisters. And so they like the temperature to be a whole lot higher. They don't like the ice that forms on your on your brow when you're sleeping in that kind of weather like Dale and I did. So they, you know, it was probably, I don't know, maybe... Low 80s, high 70s, that was their normal sleeping condition with high humidity. And so that's what they slept in. They're eating Indian food. We didn't really eat that much uh, homemade Indian food, and they they really uh, are doing that a lot. So I really want us to remember Jenny and Hannah. And they were very bold, and they were very brave, uh, but at the same time they realized that they were being left alone, and they kind of even expressed that they'd like you know maybe to come back with us because this is a big deal. They're in a big city, 20-ish million people, in Delhi, and here two Lawson girls from the dairy <laughs> are in New Delhi with 20 million other people. So, um, so we want to pray for them, and they, they were doing great, and uh, they're with a great family, and they're in a great situation. We definitely be, be praying for them, and, and I think it's a neat opportunity um, for uh, for God to use them in some unique kind of ways. There, God used our diverse team, very diverse team. You see, you remember Sue's speech when we had the dinner before we left and, and she was basically saying, I, I got one skill I can hug and, uh, and that's, that's what I can do. And so God's going to use me to hug in India, right? And so, um, well, I want to tell one little story that I, I was surprised got kind of passed over, but we, when they were talking about the medical clinic and, uh, Sue and Sarah were sort of the counseling end of the deal or the consolation, whichever, right, right at the end, they were doing the consoling and they were the ones doing the hugging and they were the ones praying with the people who had all come through and seen Peter and, and all that kind of stuff. And we're now, uh, going to go out the other end. Well, it was, it was Sarah and Sue and then Ashok, who was the guy who was in the interpreter and he himself is a, uh, an evangelist all the way just you turn the guy loose for 12 seconds and he's sharing the gospel with somebody in the corner and so it was the three of them and we got to the end of our time and uh, wrapped everything up and and every all the people who had done this before were commenting and how amazing it was that that this had gone so smoothly and there had been so many gospel conversations it had been a very productive camp it was noteworthy uh, in how well it was done and ashok turned to me and said um Thank you for bringing Sue. He didn't say, thank you for coming. I noticed. He didn't say, Brennan, it was so great to have you here. He didn't say, your team did a great job. I mean, he did, he, he did say that at different times. But what he said was, thank you for bringing Sue. And I just flashed back to Sue sharing tearfully on the other side. I got nothing but hugs. That's what I can do. That's my only skill. And Ashok said that was the key to the whole thing. So I thought that was incredible. God used our our diverse team uh, with such a different set of gifting and backgrounds. He also worked in our team and in our hearts. Dale and I had a great time rooming together. And we prayed together and we talked together and laughed together and laughed at each other and and, uh, and laughed at the girls because it's always fair game, right? had a great time and he and you saw a little bit of of what god did in in um kim's heart um 
You know, Peter, we heard Peter preach several times, and Peter does a lot of things. He, he doesn't practice medicine per se anymore because he doesn't have time. He's so busy with ministry. He's pastoring uh, one church that has an English service and a Hindi service. He's not the lead pastor. He's the most active pastor, but his dad, who's like 80, is really the senior pastor, right? And so what they didn't share about the small group where I shared the Bible study in our small group, which was very similar to the one we, we have in our home and, and have done for years, and, and all of our small group people would have felt totally normal there, except I was sitting there with this 80-year-old veteran pastor listening to what I was saying. You know, the whole time I was like, you know, looking over to see if, uh, you know, I had screwed something up, you know, or whatever. And I didn't, I guess. I even gave him the floor at the end. I said, Pastor, if you would like to share and, you know, clarify anything, go for it. And he said, no, you did great. So uh, I appreciated that. But Peter spoke several times and and um, he said again and again in various contexts, privately and from the pulpit, a verse had really been on his heart. And it's in Matthew chapter 16. If you would uh, flip open there real quick, I'm not going to spend long uh, on this, but this is something that God had really laid on his heart for the last several months. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26 and they had had a symposium of sorts where he had invited various um, educational gurus or whatever uh, to come and sit on stage and have a discussion about education and the state of education and the state of uh, um, the culture and life in India and what it's like and what's lacking and how to deal with poverty and how to deal with crime and how to deal with all of these issues that India has to deal with. I mean, 1.2 billion people with a B in this country. And so how do you deal with the issues that they have in these giant slums and all of that kind of stuff? And, and so they brought all these people together and all of them were PhDs and multiple PhDs and they were teachers of this and professors of that and, you know, smart people, right? And they were all together and, and going to discuss how do you solve these problems? And they, you know, talked about education and it's amazing how educated people in, in Delhi are. And it's the, that's the, that's Harvard, you know, Delhi is Harvard. It's the, it's the, the top, you know, really the, the brightest go there and everybody's got some kind of degree, if not several kinds of degrees. And, uh, and so they were talking about how education could solve it and whatever. And, and Peter was pointing out, well, Actually, very often the people who are the most educated in the Indian culture are also the most corrupt. So maybe education isn't the issue. And he concluded with this verse, Matthew 16 and 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life or his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his life or for his soul? He said, you can be educated, multiple PhDs, the sharpest guy on the planet. Gain everything, wealth, life, status, everything. And if you lose your soul, you have misspent your entire life. And so that was his message to them, to this group uh, of mostly unbelievers talking about uh, valuing your soul and how you, how you invest it and how you invest your life and and so he talked about that several times and, and, uh, you know, so of course that was on my mind and, and we were, you know, thinking about that and, and he kept bringing it up. So it was apparently pretty important to him. And, and I remember as I was, uh, uh, when the team would do stuff together in the evening, everybody would get dropped off at the hotel and then I would walk the Lawson girls, the five minutes or whatever, to where they were staying. A pretty rough neighborhood, it seemed to us. 
I don't know, seemed rough. And so I would walk them there and then I'd walk back by myself and, and just kind of wandering along and looking at the, at the streets and looking at the houses and looking at the cars and, um, you know, an entire van, this is a four by eight sheet of plywood, an entire van, this, we rode around in something this size, all seven of us, plus the driver the whole time we were there. Cars are small. Life is very different. People look different. The smells are different. The food is different. Everything's different. And, and I kind of was thinking to myself, can you imagine this being your future? You know, I was kind of putting myself in, in Peter and Heather's place. And can you imagine this being your future? And, uh, and I couldn't, absolutely could not. And so as I kind of continued walking and I was kind of had, you know, what Peter was saying in the back of my mind, I was, I was struck with this, that, that um, we're not put on this earth to build a future. We're put here to build the kingdom of God. And that's the decision Peter and Heather make to live in, in New Delhi and to do what they're doing. They're not by any means building a future. They're building the kingdom of God. If you look at Matthew 16 and you look at the verses previous, the two verses previous, because 20, 26 happens in context. Look at 24. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would, lo- whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so it's exactly the opposite of the way we normally think. We normally think I need to invest in my life. I need to, I need to arrange things such that it, my future is set up or so that I'm taken care of or so, so that my family is set. And I, it all tends to hover kind of around me. And that's the way we tend to live our lives. And that's, the, that's a little bit what was behind the thought as I was looking at the buildings and thinking, can you imagine a future here? Can you imagine this being your future? Because I'm the center, right? I'm the center. I know you think you're the center, but, but you're not because I am. I'm the center, right? And that's kind of the way we function. Of course, it's not true, ultimately. It's not biblical, but really as a default, that's kind of the way we function. And that's a little bit of what Jesus is talking right, about right here. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He's got to start by denying himself. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, if, if Jesus is going to be the center, that means I can't be the center. That doesn't work. So Jesus says he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That means be pursuing the things that Jesus wants you to pursue. Pursuing the things that Jesus himself is pursuing. We were amazed again and again that God was, uh, the ways God was working in India. Because he's doing things here in Fallon and then a zillion miles away in New Delhi, he's doing things and he's building his kingdom in that place too. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever would save his life will lose it. If my chief goal in life is the perpetuation of my life or making my life better or building my future or building my comfort or anything where I'm the center of it, I'll lose it. I'm going to get to the end and realize I misspent. I invested wrongly. 
I chose poorly. And I invested my whole life that way. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, for my sake, will find it. So it's not even purely just investing in other people. There are a lot of people who don't love Jesus who invest in other people. He says, whoever loses his life for my sake, for my sake, Jesus says, will find it. And so I was struck by that, and I want to kind of bring that to all of us here as a challenge, because I am challenged by that. To walk along and see and think, you know what, since I'm the center of the world, this doesn't really work for me, and I think I'll choose something else. Right? I want to choose something else because I'm the center. And for Jesus, it's completely flip-flopped. Where will you invest your life? Where will you invest your life? Will it be in, will it be in something where, where it benefits you and that's your ultimate goal? Then you've missed the whole point. You've missed the whole point. And so that's, that's what I came back from India with. Having that on my mind is, is that challenge. I remember Peter saying again and again, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And so I thought about that, and I want us to think about that. It was an amazing trip, and it was very challenging in a lot of ways. And In the pictures, you cannot see the main thing that, that, uh, that, that's there. Well, one of the main things that's there in every picture, but you can never see it, and that's the sweat everywhere. You can't... I mean, this shirt didn't fit right because it was clinging to me because it was drenched like I had gotten out of the other side of the pool and and then walked up front. That's what it was like. So you can't see some of that stuff. But I wanted to bring uh, this this idea back that was really on Peter's heart and really has been on my heart ever since then. And, And that's wrapped up in my thought here that we are not put on this earth to build a future. We're put here to build the kingdom of God. And that's what I want us to go away with. That's what I want us to be challenged with this morning. Again, I want to thank you for your uh, very faithful giving, for supporting us, for uh, your prayer uh, while we were gone and before we went, and continued prayer for Jenny and Hannah because they're um, a little bit nervous about what they're doing. They're safe, and uh, but they're just—it's a long way from where, what, where they've been the last few years, or where they've been ever anywhere in their entire lives, and that's their life and their reality right now. So let me close in prayer. I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for them also. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus to take up his cross, that we could be made right with you. Lord, we we who went to India are very encouraged and very challenged by what you did there and by the things that we saw and the things we learned about ourselves and about you and about ministry, about Christians and, and um, about, about lost people. Yeah, we're encouraged. And Lord, we want to pass that on. We want to encourage uh, everyone we meet uh, who will listen to our stories and, and the things that we talk about. We want to encourage them with the same thing, that Jesus is at work in New Delhi and in many other places, just like he's at work in Fallon. What an encouraging thing. Lord, I also, I am challenged that I so often... And building my life around me. I am uh, investing everything in my life rather than investing my life for your sake. 
Lord, I pray that you would help me with that. I pray that uh, you would help us with that, Lord, that we would value you very high, the highest, that we would value your kingdom and that we would um, be involved in in, uh, the work that you're doing to build it. Lord, I pray for Jenny and Hannah as they're there right now. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and encourage them. It's the middle of the night, so they're probably almost asleep, but uh, Lord, I pray that they would have a nice, cool rest tonight and they would have lots of energy. I pray that you'd protect their their stomachs and their health and i pray that you would protect them physically and i pray that lord you would use them greatly and that they would see and hear you speak to them about uh, their own future about um, what what you would use them for so i pray that you'd bless them and bless their families while we're gone while they're gone lord we trust you and we love you and it is wonderful to worship here this morning with our parkside family Uh, knowing that last week and the week before we worshiped with uh, our family there at, at CBC in New Delhi. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we look for your blessing and we look to, to see what you're going to do and what you might do here in Fallon and in our own lives. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.